Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Today we're going to start a new series called Unmet Expectations, and I'm excited about this. Um, I'm excited about, about preaching today. I am. I, I'm, I'm excited about what God is going to do uh, today and throughout this series. Uh, you know, we, we hot off the, the, the trail of, of our Sabbath, and, and Sabbath was a little different, but it was, it was so rewarding with the couples and the families that we interviewed up on stage. Last weekend, I was up in Tennessee, and Pastor Andrew did a great job of filling in last week and just, man, just preached a great word. I'm so thankful for Church Online that we were able to watch it, or they watched it. I listened coming down the road. I may have glanced over it a little bit a few times, but it was, a, it was a great and powerful sermon, great day, and great worship that took place. But today, we start this new series, Unmet Expectations. And um, I'm believing God to do some great things in our lives. How many of you are expecting God to do some great things in our lives through this series? Amen? Amen. That's, that's weak. That's very weak, but I'm going to preach anyway. How about that? Amen? There are fewer things in life that are more disappointing than when you order a, a beverage at a restaurant and, and then you take that first sip only to realize that it's not what you ordered. You ever had that happen to you? You know, you ordered Sprite. But they got confused on the tray, and they handed you water, and you take that first sip, and it's not what you expect. It's not that you don't like water. It's just that you were expecting Sprite. Or maybe you ordered that Dr. Pepper, but instead of Dr. Pepper, they brought you Diet Coke. And if you're like me, you hate any kind of diet drink. And, and so, I mean, I, I know you're like, how does he stay so slim? I know, but I just, um, really? really? That's where you want to wake up? Thanks, church. You order sweet tea, but, but you know, they commit that unpardonable sin. They bring you unsweet tea, you know. All of you raised in the South, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And the disappointment in that first sip, it is nearly paralyzing sometimes. And, and, and some of you, I, I know, I know I see this happen. Some of you, you have nearly lost your religion at a waiter because they gave you the wrong drink. You have just lost control in a restaurant, and uh, some of you are looking around the room right now trying to find some of your friends. You've said things to a waiter that would make your grandmother blush. You know I'm telling you the truth because it was an unmet expectation. You had your mind set on one thing, but you didn't get it. You got something else. I, I recently read of a family from Texas that were planning a trip to Disney World, and, and the parents were very wise in planning of this trip. They scheduled breakfast with Winnie the Pooh. Uh, they scheduled for their daughter. She had an appointment to get her hair styled at, at Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique. And um, they even started a savings account about a year in advance to make sure that they could just eat in the park, you know, and eat anything that they wanted to in the park. But as the date drew near, the parents realized that everything was prepared for with this trip. Everything was in place. Everything was prepared except for their children. They had not sat their children down and had a conversation about it. And they realized that at the end of their day at Disney, as they are walking out of the gates, that the greatest risk of disappointment were going to be their children's own expectations. They knew at the end of the day that their, their children would be drawn to $80 stuffed animals. To $16 pieces of candy, to $35 balloons. 
They knew that their children were going to be attracted to that. And so seeing that this disappointment could paint a, a, a bad light on an overall good day, these parents began an expectation management campaign with their children. That's what they called it, an expectation management campaign. There's parents in the room taking notes right now. They're like, how can I do this? In preparation for a great day, they begin to warn their kids weeks in advance of strategically placed shops near the exit that were there simply to convince them that their trip was not a success unless they bought expensive toys and trinkets and t-shirts and everything alike. They explained to their children that this was very intentional and that the masterminds behind Disney were doing this just so that mommy and daddy would leave the park broke. And when the kids started asking why Mickey was so mean and evil, the parents decided that they would ease up on the mouse just a little bit and, and just continue to warn of the expectations. And because these parents did this, in the end, they had a great day and the unmet expectations were avoided. Church, life is full of unmet expectations. Every one of us, we have to face unmet expectations. None of us get to be exempt from this. This is part of life. And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at how to deal with unmet expectations we're going to start with our circumstances, unmet expectations in our circumstances. Then we're going to look at, at unmet expectations in people. We're going to look at unmet expectations in ourselves. And then we're going to look at those unmet expectations that we have with God. It's going to get, it's going to get deep. I'm telling you, it's going to get deep because when you don't learn how to properly deal with unmet expectations, it will lead to disappointment and disgust. It will lead to anger and bitterness and even resentment if you're not careful. And some of us are already walking in those emotions already because we've had unmet expectations. And if we don't learn to deal with these things, it is going to rob of us of our joy. It is going to, to cause us to be hindered in our faith. And, and we've got to learn how to process these things clearly. And I find myself at almost 46 years old. I know you look at me and you're like, man, he doesn't look it. At almost 46 years old, I am dealing with some unmet expectations in all of these areas. So when I'm preaching, I'm not just preaching to you. I'm preaching to me. I need this for my own joy. I need this for my own sanity right now because I have realized that I have unmet expectations in all of these areas of my life and I know that I'm not alone in this room today. Amen? I said, I know I'm not alone in this room today. Amen? Amen? So today is about unmet expectations in our circumstances. You know, disappointment, disappointment comes in all shapes and sizes. It can look different for each person. It's almost like it's specifically designed just for your life. It can be something as simple as not getting what you want for Christmas. It can be Something as simple as when someone forgets your birthday or they forget your anniversary and there's an unmet expectation with that. It can show up when you're overlooked for a job or overlooked for a promotion. It is certainly revealed in life-altering situations involving the death of close friends or family members. Disappointment rears its ugly head in your marriage from time to time. And we all know it's extremely prevalent in a, in a miscarriage or, or the loss of a child. 
There's unmet expectations with all of that. And whatever the case is for your life, whatever scenario you're looking at, unmet expectations can and will alter your faith if you don't learn how to manage them. And so buckle up, church. This month we're digging into this, and we're going to figure this out. Today's text allows us into a woman's heart that was full of unmet expectations. I want you to turn with me to the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth. Ruth is not necessarily the woman that we're looking at today. But we're going to start in chapter 1. Because if anyone knew disappointment, Naomi did. Naomi was a woman that, that experienced so much disappointment in her life that for most of us in the room... We would not be able to manage. We would not be able to walk through life. We wouldn't want to walk through life if we experienced what she experienced. She, along with her husband and two sons, they left Israel during a time of famine in Israel when people were starving to death. They left Israel and they went to a country called Moab and there they settled in Moab. And there had to be disappointment just in that because they've worked so hard to build their life in their hometown of Bethlehem. And, and now they've had to not only move from their city or from their country, they've had to relocate in another country just to survive. There's disappointment with that. There's unmet expectations. That's not what, what Naomi signed up for when she said, I do. They're her son's find wives, which that in itself was probably a disappointment for her because no Jew wanted their children to grow up and marry outside of their heritage, so there was probably disappointment with her sons taking Moabites as wives. Then the unthinkable happens. Naomi's husband dies. Soon after, both of her sons die. And she is stuck grieving in a foreign land with grieving daughter-in-laws attached to her. Three women grieving together. Can you imagine the tears? It was like the midway point of a Hallmark movie, right? Just tears, just, just everywhere. And one day, working in the fields of Moab, just trying to make ends meet, just trying to survive, just trying to put food on the table, Naomi heard about how God was blessing Israel. She hears about her homeland and that the crops were plentiful. God was once again causing it to rain there. And so, and, and so she makes up her mind, I'm going to return home. And, and she says, I'm going to go back home alone. And she tells both of her daughter-in-law, she says, you two need to go back home to your mama's. I've got enough problems in my life. I don't need you. Go back home to your moms and let me just go through life. And, and, and both daughter-in-laws, they feel bound by custom to stick around because eventually the, the custom was that the next son up would, would marry them and take care of them and, and provide for them. But she has no more sons. And so Naomi tells them, this is not necessary. I have no desire to have any more children. And I have no husband. I have no desire to have any more children. But think about this. She's going back home to Israel, to Bethlehem. Her daughter-in-laws are Moabites. What are the people in Bethlehem going to think when she pulls up with her two daughter-in-laws, widowed Moabites? Ruth chapter 1, verse 11. <clears throat> 
But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters. And here it is. For it is exceedingly bitter. Listen to what she says. This is a self-diagnosis. It is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. That means she said goodbye. She kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. She said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? She said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. I know that there seems to be a lot of resentment in what she is saying towards God. We're not going to deal with that until the last week of this series, but I think it's important to note that there was some resentment towards God there. Church, it's one thing to notice. It's one thing for others to notice when you're a bitter. You know, usually other people can see it long before you see it. Other people can see that there, there's something going on in your hardened heart long before you see it, but man, it's something completely different when the resentment level is so high that you notice your own bitterness, and that's where Naomi was at. She has lost everything and has little hope for her future. And in a moment of sarcasm, she even tells them to call her by a different name. She says, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, which means bitter. I'm renaming myself. Mara, that's, that's all that I am. I am just bitter. And as I was studying this, I, I realized that that word sounds very familiar. We've seen this word before. It's derived from the same root word that's found in Exodus chapter 15 and verse 23. If you'll remember, the Israelites were on a three-day journey right after they had crossed the Red Sea. Now they're on a three-day journey without any water, without any fresh water to drink. And they arrive at this place that is called Mara. And when they get there, when they get to Mara, they notice that there is a body of water there. It looks like fresh water. And they were very thirsty after traveling for three days. And so when they knelt down to drink what looked like fresh water, it was actually bitter. It was undrinkable. You can almost picture the people bringing it up to their mouths and just spewing it out 
because it was so bitter. Imagine the disappointment and that unmet expectation that they had. They ordered Gatorade, which was the thirst quencher, but they got a mouthful of vinegar is what they got. It was awful. Unmet expectation. You know, when Moses was, was trying to convince them that they needed to, to leave the hardship of slavery behind in, in Egypt, I doubt very seriously that they were considering the harsh conditions of the wilderness. Because when you're leaving hardship behind, all you can see is a future of freedom ahead. And so they didn't think through all of this. And they didn't think that they would have to go three days without anything to drink. Church, we have to be careful because unmet expectations can set future expectations at the level of your past experience. I know I'm not the only one in the room that has done that before. Your unmet expectations will cause you to set all of your future expectations at that level of past experience. And so when you have failed friendships, suddenly you put walls up because you don't want to get close to anyone anymore. I, I've been there. I've been, I was so hurt in, in in, in a church split one time, I was so hurt. Mandy and I were so hurt that we put walls up and we would not allow anyone else to come into our lives. I'm telling you, the people that you see today that, are, that we just build our lives on relationships, that is not who we were after we walked through that hurt. God had to do something in our lives. But the problem with us, the problem that we had to walk through was because we were, basing, we were basing everything else that was going to happen, every expectation that we had out of people on past hurt and past experiences. And the enemy will use that to steal the joy out of your life. The enemy will use that to keep you from allowing relationships into your life that are godly, divine appointed relationships. And we've got to be careful that we don't allow the past to dictate where we're going in the future. With the people, the places, and the things that God wants to use to bless your life with. It will cause you to miss out on the supernatural hand of God if you have that unholy hope that, that, that has just ruined your mentality of faith. Faith in God and faith in people. Faith in circumstances. At Mara, God directed Moses after hearing the grumbling of the people, God directed Moses to, to throw a tree into the water. And when he did, some versions say a stick, some versions say a log, some say a tree. But when he took that, that piece of wood and he threw it into the water, the water became sweet is what the Bible said. It was now drinkable for them. They went from drinking vinegar to sweet tea overnight, just like that. Somebody say glory to God. I talk like I drink sweet tea. I haven't had sweet tea in 13 years. That's how I stay so trim. I've told you. It's just, church, I want you to think about this. He took a piece of wood and he threw it into the circumstance. The cross of Christ has the ability to take a discouraged, bitter life and make it sweet again. Sometimes we got to take that piece of wood, we got to take the cross, and we've got to throw it right back into the middle of our circumstances. And when we do, we will allow the Holy Spirit to be, begin making us sweet again. Don't let the enemy convince you that, that your life is always going to suck when your Savior still saves. Amen? I forgot our kids were in the room. Glory to God. <laughs> now... The next place that they would set up camp would have 12 springs of fresh water surrounded by 70 palm trees for shade. 
They just had to hold on. Naomi was bitter. But God put someone in her life that would change the outcome of her destiny. God put them in Israel, near Bethlehem, at just the right moment. Verse 22 says that it was at the beginning of barley season. There's a reason why that detail is included in your Bible. It was at the beginning of barley season. This would give her daughter-in-law, Ruth, an opportunity to work in the barley fields. She would stand back and she would get what others were not picking up. There she would catch the attention of the field owner by the name of Boaz. And Boaz would go out of his way to protect her, saying, don't you go to another field. I've got you covered here. He made sure that there was extra barley left behind so that she could pick it up. Man, when you're trying to win a woman's heart, Boaz was no dummy. Eventually, he would marry Naomi's widowed daughter-in-law. He would marry Ruth. And like a good man, he doesn't kick Naomi to the curb, no. He sees Ruth's responsibility to Naomi as his own. He is willing to provide for and invest in his wife's dead husband's mother. Man, you talking about a story of redemption? It's why he's referred to as the kinsman redeemer. Listen to, to Ruth chapter 4 verses 13 through 17 because this story does have a happy ending. Listen to this. Verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and he went into her and the Lord gave her a conception and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi. Listen, these, these are the same women that she looked at and said, you call me Mara. You call me bitter. Then the women said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons has given birth to him. Don't miss that. Said so this woman, this, this girl, this daughter-in-law of yours, this widowed daughter-in-law, she was better than seven sons. But for all of the moms in the room that have sons and Daughters, you know that the daughters always take care of you better than the sons. We know that. My mom had four boys. Bless her heart. But verse 16, then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. She, she gets to be granny, Mimi, Gaga. Mandy's on this kick right now trying to figure out what our grandkids are going to call us one day. She said, they can call you Pops and me Lolly. I went, that ain't happening. <laughs> Lollipops? No, nope, that ain't happening. <laughs> then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name saying, a son has been born to Naomi. Don't miss this church. A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. And here, here's the kicker, you ready? He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. The greatest king that Israel would ever see. Naomi had ties to him. When her 
entire life felt like it had fallen apart, when, when she was in the darkest moment of her life, God sends a kinsman redeemer that takes her as, as part of his family, lets her become a grandmother to his child, and he would be the grandfather of David. And if you follow, if you follow the, 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 the bloodline there, if you, if you go to the first chapter of Matthew, you will quickly realize that the Messiah comes through that bloodline. The birth of Jesus comes through that bloodline. God sent a redeemer into Naomi's life, someone that could take the unmet expectations and turn them around for good. And church, we have a redeemer that we serve. Amen? I said, we have a redeemer. Not one tear that we cry is in vain. Not one hurt goes unnoticed. Matter of fact, the Bible says that he bottles up our tears. He's got every one of them accounted for. And in due season, he will take those tears and he will water the harvest. And you will, you will reap a harvest. You will see God's hand work and provide for your life. In Jesus' name, amen. Your disappointment just might be his very appointment. That he uses to redeem those unmet expectations. Unmet expectations, they happen to all of us. Maybe your marriage is, is not the fairy tale that you dreamed it would be, it's an unmet expectation. Mandy and I've been there, her probably more times than me. Maybe parenthood feels more like corralling and disciplining, disciplining than cuddling and developing. <laughs> Maybe your high school or college graduation did not seem like it was worth all of the hard work and all the years of dedication you put into it. It's an unmet expectation. Maybe the completion of a church construction project feels more anticlimactic than you had anticipated. And you've got this unmet expectation. What do you do with it? So I've been writing this book for the past 70 years. Quit talking about it as much because it is taking a while. But I did realize through all of this that there's a new chapter. I had an outline of what all nine chapters were going to look like in all three sections. If you know me, that's my mind. That's how it's structured. But there's got to be a chapter on, on COVID-19 and the effects of it. Me and my mom will probably be the only ones that ever read this book. She's the only one that will buy it. But I realize that the story's not over yet. Because it's never over as long as we have a Redeemer who lives. And God has promised me 
I see your unmet expectation. And I will redeem what was lost. I believe the Holy Spirit is about to speak to someone in this room right now. God wants you to know that he sees your unmet expectation. And he wants to redeem what was hurt. God sees your unmet expectation. And he wants to redeem what was broken. God sees your unmet expectation. He wants to redeem what was stolen. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.